This episode is brought to you by Netflix. Hold your carriage horses and tighten those corsets. Bridgerton is back. Longtime friends Colin Bridgerton and Penelope Featherington find themselves in quite the precarious situation. The wallflower is ready to bloom, but she needs Colin's help to find a marriage match. Has Penelope truly pushed aside her feelings for Colin? Will Colin realize his feelings before another suitor takes Penelope's hand? And will Penelope's secret identity as famed gossip writer Lady Whistledown destroy any chance she may have at love? This gentle reader can't wait to find out. Watch part one of Bridgerton, only on Netflix May 16th. A quick note before we get into the episode, Oversharing is a podcast for entertainment purposes only. It is not a medical podcast and does not constitute medical or psychological advice. Always seek the advice of your physician or mental health professional. Hello and welcome back to Oversharing. I'm Jordana Abraham. And I'm Dr. Naomi Bernstein. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. 2024 is upon us. I know. It seems weird to even say 2024. Wow. Yeah. I mean, we're recording this a little ahead of time, so we're still like December 11th for anyone (laughs) (laughs) listening. So it definitely doesn't feel like the new year, but it's the new year by the time you're listening to this. And that's I like the new year. First week of the new year is a little, it's like you feel mixed things because one, it's like, oh, we're back to work, back to the grind. Everyone's like, oh, you know, for a few weeks here, it's like everyone's on vacation. Nothing's really happening. No big decisions are made. We're all just kind of eking it out through the holidays and the new year. But now it's time to get serious again. Exactly. And it's a fresh start. That's that's the other side of it. So that's exciting. Totally. I th- I think it is really nice Again, you don't want to put a ton of pressure on it, but it is nice to have an excuse for a fresh start. It's like when you read a book, really inspirational. Like I love reading kind of like self-help-ish stuff, obviously. And there's like that day that you finish the book or while you're reading it or the couple of days after when you're like, I'm I'm bought in. I'm doing it differently. I'm going right. to change something. And that feels kind of exciting. Like it, it's energizing. Yeah. There's a lot of hope, but you know, there's on the other side of that, there feels like sometimes there's like pressure because you're kind of like, oh, I'm setting out to do this thing. It's like a little intimidating. What are all the steps to get there? Right. Do you have like a new year's resolution that you're working on? I have a couple. One is the resolution that I do every year. I don't know how much progress I've made despite the fact that I, (laughs) I make it every year. One is to take better care of my belongings. So I'm a little bit of a mess, I would say. And there's part of me that's like, even with clothes, like I prefer to buy like cheaper stuff that I can just ruin. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yes. When really I'd probably be better served by buying like nicer things that I take care of to teach me the lesson of taking care of things. Yes, I agree. I, I definitely lean the latter. I don't really do it, but someone had... An in the former. I, no, like fewer oh, things. Liar. Yeah. Oh, fewer, better things. Okay. Fewer, better things. I think that that's better. One, it's just better for the environment. It's less of right. this like intense consumerism of just buying more and more things and like giving into the impulse of buying things. And, and you were just you, talking about your $15 TJ Maxx shirts. Exactly. <laughs> I'm not saying I do this. I guess when I say <laughs> I lean that way, it's not necessarily that I oh, do yeah. it, but I, I, I think it's the better way to go. Right. Yeah. No, I agree. I think, I don't know, maybe it's like from our upbringing where I just feel like 
things were a little chaotic and jungle-like. And so there was just more of an emphasis on like, take what you can get, but like your sister might borrow it and take it anyway. So I don't know if you want to be like, yeah, uh, over investing in anything. Yes. Well, it's protective, right? If you don't care mm. that much about the thing, right. then you're not going to get upset if when you spill. lose it or stain it or right. whatever. Just put pasta sauce on all of my white shirts. I'm like, what am I going to buy a white shirt that's more than $10? Right. <laughs> I could see that. I definitely, I think like the exception is anything white. Buy, if right. it's white, buy it cheap. If it's any other color, <laughs> then you can invest. No, I, I, I like the idea because again, it's this, we've talked about this before of just being patient. So you're patient, right. you're moving slowly. You're patiently going to take the sweater off and like nicely hang it on the hanger in the closet, which is going to take an extra 30 seconds. Or if you have to walk upstairs, maybe it would take an extra four minutes right. versus leaving it hanging over the chair in the kitchen where it could get splattered and you save yourself the four minutes of walking it upstairs and putting it away in the closet. So I think all that is, it's just, I think it's good to be able to slow down and do something mindfully. It is very challenging because we want to like do what we want to do. I want to sit on the couch or I want to get a snack or whatever. There's some people, I mean, we've talked about it on this show before, you go to their house, everything just like looks super clean and it's just everything's in its like little place. And I'm just like, I guess there's some people who just do that all the time. They As they go. Take off their shoes and they put them in their spot when they walk in the door instead of just kicking them wherever they yes. feel like. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I just hard for me to relate to that mentality, but I, I'm very jealous of it. It's what it really is, is it's a routine. You have to, you have to like put it into your routine. It's like when you, I don't know, after you brush your teeth, there's probably like a spot where you put your toothbrush, right? Right. If you didn't have that spot, you'd kind of like leave it in in a random place and then you'd never Mm -hmm. find it. So it's like, you've gotten in the habit of like, this is where my toothbrush goes, but now you just need to do that with like everything. All the other stuff. You know, that's true because I didn't used to make my bed when I was in my like earlier 20s and then I got into the habit of making my bed and now I make my bed every morning. I don't even think about it. I guess the idea is like when I talk about those people who are super neat and super organized and everything's in its place, like I think of that as like a huge daily effort. Like every day they have the same struggle as me of like, should I do, should I like throw this on the floor should i put it back right and you're right because it's like maybe that's in the beginning but once you master it those people aren't just like every day going against the grain of what they want to do that's just something that's instilled in them and it's instinctual you have things that you do that with they're just not all the things you know i think there are probably like your engagement ring for example i'm sure you have mm. like a place if you take it off where you put yes. it and that's its place because it's expensive and it's meaningful so you just and and it's not like oh my gosh this is so annoying i have to put my engagement ring in the dish where it goes you just do it right it's not like yeah. annoying just is no it's true so i guess it's just like that i think they said 40 days to make a habit mhm so it's like it's kind of like being uncomfortable for 40 days Yeah. Seems like. And I think I would start small, like pick a few things. Maybe each week you can pick like a few things that you're going to 
put in their place. And right. then once you start doing that, maybe you can add some, or maybe it will naturally happen. But I also think the other piece is not being rushed and not being late. So yeah. like leaving plenty of time for things. Cause that when you're rushed or you're running late or you're stressed on time, you don't, or you're tired. The four minutes feel like yeah. not ha- like Agreed. wasteful. So my closet is the worst when I've like come back from like going out for the night. If I'm like went to dinner or something and I just, you know, when you just want to be, you're wearing like jeans and you're like, I just want to rip be in, like, them pajamas off and put on my pajamas. Thro- <laughs> <laughs> just like throw them around. Like it's almost like a, it's a, a symbolic. I'm just like, I need to get this as far away from me. I can't be put- <laughs> yes. nicely putting it away. That's like a tomorrow thing. I just need to be in bed immediately. Yes. Yeah. I hear you. And that might be a good place to start. Like when you take off your clothes, let's just start with that. When you take off your clothes, you're going to put them in the appropriate place. Okay. I think that'll make a big difference because whatever it is, you take off your jacket, you put it on the hanger in the closet. You take off your jeans. It literally takes 20 seconds to flop them in half and hang them up or throw them in the, you know, put them on the shelf wherever you put them. So I think that's a great place to start. When you take something off, take the extra 30 seconds and put it where it belongs. And then you right. can work on the rest of it, like whatever it is, the, you know, dish in the sink or the, you know, That's going to be my week one. I'll let you know. Yes. I'll give you an update. Yes. As we go through it. What that's about you? Do you goal. have any? Are you you're over goals at this point? No, of course not. I always have stuff. I think it's more like mindset goals the stuff that we talk about on the show and, and embodying that a little bit more in my own life, if I can. Um, I think especially with my kids, a goal for me is probably recognizing when I'm like pushing, dancing that line. But now that they're getting older, like the older two, right. like letting them make the mistake. Okay. And like sitting like back you're pretty good at that. and watching it kind of unfold. I think I'm pretty good, but I think I could it's kind of what we talked about last time. Like what's the goal is the goal for them to be, to get an A or is the goal for them to have balance in their life and kind of like right. be happy and balanced or is the goal for them to be super successful and get on the honor roll, which is sort mm-hmm. of like this external reinforcement, like ego thing that right. I still. Mm. Well, that's like societal too, though, because it's kind of like, of course, like, in, like logically, we know that you're happiest when you're just like being true to yourself and all that stuff. But societally, like, there are benchmarks, yeah, that give you a feeling of, of how you're doing, yeah. Like, or you know, if I get an A, that feels better than a C, totally. And like, good or I mean, I think there's like some there's some merit to that. Like, okay, there's like a rubric that we've established as humans for what it means. Like, it's nice to have some direction of like, what does it mean to be good at this thing? Yes. <laughs> I, I agree. But I think, so that's, I think that's the mindset that has been ingrained in me probably my whole life. So that's the one I already lean in that me direction. Too. So okay. I think I need to lean more in the direction of balance, creating mm-hmm. balance and saying like, the hard part of knowing when it's okay to say, I'm not feeling a hundred percent. I'm not going, I'm going to say no to this thing right. versus like I committed, I'm on this team. I'm going to go to the practice, even if 
I'm not feeling great and I have a ton of homework and you know, it's the practice time is late at night or whatever it is. Like, do I want to be the best at this or do I want to learn how to find balance in my life? And I think the inclination as a person and a parent is to say like, strive, work, the harder you work, the more successful you'll be, the better you're going to feel about yourself. But I think a lot of people do miss, they're not really being taught balance and how to find that. You know why it is? Because I think there's something scary about the idea of balance. Because it's like, if your mindset is, I'm just going to power through whatever this is and just like do it, at least you know what's on the other side of that. Yes. Pretty much. If you're like, I'm going to work on balance, it's like, oh, so then like, who knows where I'll wind up? Yes. I could, like, the goal is not as clear. Like, what is balance? What's the like success metric of balance? A hundred percent. And I think that that's the struggle for a lot of people. It's easier to just say, I'm going to have a hundred percent attendance. And then I know that I did the right thing. Exactly. Versus every day you wake up and you think, should I go today? Should I not go today? It like, you start to have to hem and haw about decisions. It's like sobriety, right? Pe- mm-hmm. There's a reason why people go abstinence when it comes to drugs and alcohol, when they're trying to make a change, because it's like, I show up to the party and I know that I am having zero drinks and it's a decision that I've made beforehand. I don't have to decide Right. Am I having That's one? what success looks like right. in this scenario. Yeah. Yes. And it just takes all the little micro decisions out of it. Like mm-hmm. I'm going to try my best all the time. I'm going to go balls to the wall all the time instead of thinking like, should I rest today or should I go hard yeah. today? I find that with working out too, because it, it always seems like, oh, the answer should be like, if you're not sure about working out, just do it. Just do it. Right. Just do it because then you won't have to think about it and like you'll check it off the list and that'll be success. But like, and that's, I mean, that's a real, almost like a direct example where if you're like, oh, I'm going to strive for a life of balance and like, well, what is it? Like, what is the the key performance indicator of working out when I, my body feels like interested in it? Like, I don't know what's (laughs) like, is it a, is it a good body? Is it like a, like, is it a fit body or is it like, like, I don't know, like, that's, that's a lot more vague, that totally. feeling of, like, semi-balanced movement. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, which is why yeah. usually for New Year's resolutions, people, like, go hard because they're like, all right, mm-hmm. I'm doing this. The only way I know how to do this is to, you know, always go when in doubt. That's kind of what they tell you, though, yes. isn't it? Like, when you're talking to a personal trainer, they're never like, and just listen to whatever listen your, to body your body does. They're like, no, get to the gym at 630. Right. Or like, don't even bother because you don't really want it enough. <laughs> right. It's true. I do think there is a big societal push and it depends on what you want. You mm-hmm. know, like, like this, this Equinox mo- motto is yeah. it's not fitness, it's life. So like, oh, of, what should I do? Just be there every single day. Right. Like, <laughs> right. It's this, life. Yes. Yes. <laughs> That's crazy. Yes. Uh, yes. I get it. It is very hard to find balance. I think you have to trust. I think you have to trust yourself that if I don't go today, I'll still go tomorrow. There's a lot of trust involved. There's a lot of um, acceptance of yourself involved. And I do think, like you said, setting a barometer for yourself of like, okay, my goal is that I want to go to the gym four days a week. So if, you know, if one week you go three days, 
that's okay. But if one week you go one day, then that's a sign of like, okay, either I need to reevaluate my goals or I need to push myself a little bit more often. So I do think it is good to have the benchmarks, but I also think this societal pressure and it, this is why I talk about it with my kids in specific, even more so than myself, you know, even like with the spelling bee thing, like, did I want Maddie to be the spelling bee champion? Would that have made me really happy and excited? Yes. Yeah. I wanted her to win. (laughs) Why? I have no idea. Why did I care? I mean, yes, it would make her happy. It's a good, she's a good speller. That'll probably help her in life. Right. Right. I don't know. Be Be a societal indication that she's a very good speller. Right. I think if I'm digging deep, it would be a societal indication that she's smart and potentially is going to be like successful in her academic career, which I don't need a spelling bee for that. You know, like the idea of wanting myself or my kids to be like above average. Yeah. Second guess that a little bit. Why do we need to be above average? Why can't we just be average? be average everyone's pretty much average most people are average i guess there's a feeling of wanting to feel special in some way yes right yeah yeah like at something maybe not at everything but like at one thing but yeah you really shouldn't get too hung up on that or it takes over your personality right so i guess that's kind of i mean like we said we're not at new year's yet but that's where my mind is drifting towards in terms of kind of bucking this idea that I need to be the best. My, I want my kids to be the best. I want them to always work the hardest. Your New Year's resolution is more mediocrity. Yes. <laughs> kind of. I mean, look, when it comes to- More it, average things. Well, it's interesting. When it comes to being like kind and like a nice human, I want to be above average and I want my kids to be above average. But that's not most of what we're talking about. Right. Most of what we're talking about are spelling bees and basketball games and, you know- uh, fitness at the gym, which like, if you're healthy, that should be enough. You don't need to have like a six pack abs or, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever the, the extreme is of what some people strive to do. And look, if it makes you happy and it's something, this is all work in thought work in progress. I'm not preaching this. It's not for everybody, but I think it's a direction that I'm trying to personally lean. Yeah. I think like, that's a good way, like for fitness or something like that, that's a good way to be like, be average, be like a person that is like healthy. Right. Doesn't, if you have like an ailment, then you might need to like go a little harder in that. Right. Right. And you know, if it personally brings you a lot of joy when you hit that goal and you've experienced that. So I think that's the flip side of this. Like there is a lot of joy that comes in setting a goal and accomplishing it. So, and the grit that comes along with mm-hmm. setting a goal and accomplishing it is an important characteristic in terms of, you know, feeling, having a successful life, being able to care for yourself, you know, having a nice, happy life. I agree with that. But if it's, sometimes we do things and it's not really bringing us joy, it's almost like bringing us back to baseline. It's like, we're not happy, not happy, not happy. We get the thing, maybe we're happy for like a minute and then we're just back to baseline with a new goal that's like making us feel dissatisfied until we get to it. On that note, I'm not going to work out today. You've inspired, <laughs> you've inspired me. You've inspired me. Thank you. If you guys have, have any um, goals or intentions related to your goals or anything like that for the new year, email us. And thank you guys for being such great listeners in 2023. We've had so much fun doing this podcast and more to come 
in the year ahead. Yes, for sure. I, I really, I genuinely love our listeners. I love the emails that we get. They're thought provoking. They're interesting. Obviously I love the reviews that we get. It really shows that people are, are listening and, and I'm glad we're helping you guys and, and that, you know, you're taking the time to reach out to us. It feels good. So thank you. Happy new year. Happy new year. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe place to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. I've been to therapy for many years, and I have to say, whenever I'm going through something really tough, therapy is the way out for me. It helps me like break down the issue, get to the heart of it, and figure out ways to cope with whatever is stressing me out. Nothing has transformed my life quite as much as my therapy experience. I can't recommend therapy enough, and BetterHelp is a great way into it. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Overshare today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Overshare. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick but can't always afford the super high-end stuff? I have a solution for you. Newly. Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for the season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. Newly has a subscription clothing rental service. For just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles each month. You choose whatever you want to rent for whatever you have going on. It's totally up to you. Access to thousands of styles from more than 400 brands. There's no fees, late fees, damage fees, or fees to pause or cancel. So it's no big deal if you lose a button, spill something, or you just need to take a break. They also have inclusive sizing up to 5X as well as petite and maternity. Get fast free shipping and returns and professional cleaning in newly state-of-the-art laundering facility. No laundry for you to worry about. And you always have the option to buy what you love for sometimes up to 75% off. Newly is a great value at $98 a month for any six styles. But right now you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code OVERSHARING20. Just go to N-U-U-L-Y.com, that's Newly with two U's, and enter the code OVERSHARING20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y.com, Newly with two U's, with code OVERSHARING20. Newly subscription clothing rental. Change your clothes. All right, I'm going to read our first overshare. If you have an email you want to write in, oversharing at betches.com or a voicemail, 646-363-6294. I can relate a lot to this overshare email. It's really, it's also a good New Year's uh, email, I think, even though it might not be intended that way. Dear Dr. Naomi and Jordana, I have an overshare that is definitely oversharing about myself and pretty embarrassing to admit, but I'm hoping you two can help guide me through this question. For background, I'm a 36-year-old female living in New York City. I've spent most of my adult life in and out of long-term relationships. I've recently just broke up with my boyfriend about three months ago, and I'm noticing I'm falling into a pattern that I really need to break. I find that when I'm single, I exhibit the worst single behavior. And again, this is embarrassing to share, but I really let myself go. Some examples include not cleaning my apartment for weeks, no vacuuming, sheet changing, clothes on the floor and overflowing hamper, dishes in the sink, etc. For meals, I find myself making much less healthy choices and ordering out all the time. 
My wine consumption goes up in the evening. I start staying up late, sleeping in, and being way less productive on weekends. It even seeps into my hygiene with little things like not showering as often or not caring to shave my legs as frequently. It's really getting out of hand as I write this to you. Still in bed Sunday at noon with unwashed hair and my leftover pizza box left out on the coffee table, I'm far too old to be behaving like this. Perhaps the most alarming part about it is it really doesn't bother me since I know it's just me that has to deal with it and no one else needs to know. I know it's extremely unhealthy and I'm capable of doing the exact opposite. When I'm in relationships, I'm totally normal. Tidy apartment, normal sleep, cooking and cleaning, all around being a good little wifey. And I'm really happy with that too. I know this sounds like it could be depression, but I don't feel depressed. I almost relish in the freedom of being able to do whatever I want. I've done a lot of self-reflection and tried to examine why I behave like this when I'm single. Why am I not able to show up for myself when it's just me? Do I just not care about doing these things if I'm the only one benefiting? Or worse, is this the true version of myself that can be released when I'm alone? Is this at all normal for people to do? When I used to do this in my 20s, I gave myself the excuse that I'm young and it's just a phase I'll grow out of. But now that I find myself single again in my 30s, I know it's unhealthy and needs to stop regardless. Ultimately, I prefer the relationship version of myself. I'm a bit of a serial monogamous, so I'm sure I'll find another boyfriend soon and fall back into the normal version of myself. But I'm worried there's a deeper issue. Any advice you could share would be much appreciated. I'm looking to break the pattern and be my relationship self, even when it's just me. Thanks. Worst single self. So interesting. And I'm so glad that she wrote in because I do think it normalizes this behavior that a lot of people, you know, yeah, feel sometimes like you're not, you're not the only one. This happens to people specifically if you're not having people over at your house or you're not like right. sharing space with anyone. It's kind of comes down to, you know, we talk about like motivation and what plays into motivation to do certain things. And it's, do I think it's going to make a difference in my life if I do this thing? And do I think I'm capable of doing this thing? I think she knows right. she's capable of doing this thing but I don't think she sees any real benefit other than her like judging herself and feeling like maybe it's a sign of something. Yeah. I kind of feel like I'm like the opposite. When I was single, I was cleaner and more organized because I'm like trying to like woo someone. Right. What if someone comes back and sees this? Right. Right. Whereas when I'm in a relationship, I'm like, all right, are you, are you already, you know who I am. You're not going to leave. You're not going to, if the dishes are out or something. Right. So I think it's interesting that her, she's almost like, I let myself go when I'm single as opposed to coupled up. Right. Yeah. I mean, I guess either she's not dating or not dating in a way that anyone's coming back to her apartment. I would assume, I guess that's a good question. If she's bringing people into this, you know, hell hole. <laughs> it's going to sound that bad. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it sounds like a Sunday, like a Sunday, a very lazy Sunday. Right. But maybe it's gone on for a bit. Right. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't, back to our previous conversation, if it's not bothering you and it's not like, you know, unhealthy or creating like anything that's, you know, dangerous or, you know, you're going to get sick from it or something and it's not really bothering you, I don't really see the big deal. I think what she's, I think there's a part of it that's probably bothering her because she says several times, I know it's unhealthy and has to stop. So I don't know if that's just her judging herself or 
if she feels like there's an underlying when she's single that maybe there's like a, she's emotionally overwhelmed. Like she says, she's a serial monogamous. Maybe there's some emotion around being single that makes her feel, you know, I think these things happen. Like we talked about when you don't have the energy to take the jacket and put it on the hanger and put it in the closet. A lot of times it's because your energy is sapped by something else mm-hmm. emotionally, physically, whatever it is. So that is my inclination that maybe something about being single is affecting her emotionally and making it so that she doesn't have the extra energy to throw away the pizza box or do the laundry or do the things that she needs to do. Like she doesn't seem like she knows the reason. Right. That's what she Does that happen? Yeah. I think, you know, what happens is, and this comes back to my strong belief that emotional energy is like a legitimate energy. There's like energy behind it. Mm-hmm. So how many times do you see pe- someone at dinner or, you know, just whatever. And you're kind of, they seem like out of it or tired or not participating in the conversation or they're yawning or they want to go home early or whatever. And you're like, are you okay? And they say, I'm tired. And I'd mm-hmm. say, out of the amount of times that someone responds, I'm tired, I'd say half the time, it's not like I'm literally underslept or I am not feeling well and I'm actually like want to sleep tired. I think they're perhaps burning emotional energy, mental energy, worrying, being upset, being depressed, being having some emotions that can literally sap your physical energy and make you tired. And I, and people don't necessarily put two and two together. Like you might really think, Oh, I'm tired. But I think a lot of times that is depression or anxiety or something else that's like sapping your emotional energy. Right. That's interesting. I wonder what it could be for this person, assuming she's tired, which it sounds like she kind of is. Yeah. I mean, if you're laying in bed and you just don't, it's like, you just don't have the energy to do the laundry or you don't have the motivation to do the laundry because it feels like a big, we've all been there, you know, like it feels like just getting up and doing this thing feels huge. Whereas at a different time, the same task feels like not a big deal. So how do you figure out like what the thing is that's making you so Yeah, tired? I think paying, again, coming back to mindfulness, paying attention to when you feel this way versus when you don't. Like if you have a good date, do you still feel like low energy versus mm-hmm. like there's nobody on, just to see, is it because she's single? I mean, she's making that connection. And it could just be because I have my boyfriend around and I don't want him to see this mess, but it could be, um, you know, she feels directionless. Yes. Boyfriend. Yes. Mm -hmm. Or lonely. Yeah. I think just some introspection of like the waves of emotion. Like when do you feel more energized? When do you feel less energized? Do you get that burst of energy? Like a lot of times when I talk to patients that are single and seeking to date the first 30 seconds of the call, I can tell if they're like excited about somebody that they're seeing. Like I can of the tell way if, that they, I can tell if their the vibe. Date, yes, because of the tone of their voice, the way they say hello, the look on their face. Like I know if the date went well or didn't go well before they even say it. 
there's an an energy shift. Specifically, I think when it comes for some people who really feel lonely or looking for companionship or a partner or whatever it is that there's like an energy in connecting with somebody and having a person that you're forming a relationship with. So I don't know that that's what it is. Maybe she's perfectly content, but she does say I'm a serial monogamist. So I don't think she's probably that happy on her own or she wouldn't always be in a relationship. Right. And she also said, and I know I'll have a boyfriend soon. She basically said, right. It's funny though. To me, I kind of read the email as like, she seemed like chill about being in this breakup. At least the tone of the email seemed like, you know, I I left, I'm 36. I left and we get a lot of emails from 36 year olds that don't have that optimistic vibe. Yeah. Like it's like, I broke up with my boyfriend. I'm sure I'll have another boyfriend soon. But in the meantime, like, here's my issue. Right. So look, I don't, I mean, this is, that's one option is the first one. Mm-hmm. If we're going to get deep and like dig deep, the other option is she does know that she finds relationship easily and she's just enjoying doing whatever right. she wants, which is totally fine. I feel like sometimes it's okay to like, get, let yourself have a little, uh, bender. Yes. Especially if it doesn't bother her. I mean, I think for me, it would bother me if there was like, I was living in a place that just seemed Squalor. like real. I, it just doesn't feel organized. It, I, I don't know where things are. Like it just feels better, but for some people it doesn't right. really matter if it doesn't matter for you. Well, she's thing. truly single, right. She's truly single for like very short periods of time. It's like when you go on vacation, it's like when I go on vacation, I have like a drink, a few drinks every day, maybe. Right. But I'm not like, it's like, okay to me in my head. Cause I'm like, I'm on vacation and it's going to be um, over. Right. Right. And I don't plan on doing this forever or like I'm in the sun for like six hours a day. Like I'm like, this isn't, there is a certain sense of like, I'm just going to be a little decadent yes. or gluttonous for a bit mm-hmm. and then I'll get out of there. And I don't think that's necessarily bad. No. I mean, there's like, a, there's, a, there's people who say like moderation all the time, but Sometimes it's fun to just be a little disgusting. Yeah, I I agree. If it's not bothering you, and then I wouldn't judge yourself on it, especially if you know that you're capable of cleaning it up. And that's that's the thing. It's again to use like the substance analogy. It's kind of like, well, I know I could stop at any time, and sometimes right. you have to kind of like try it and be like, could you stop at any time? She'll see yeah. when she gets this boyfriend <laughs> or when yeah. she has a date over and he's sitting on a pizza box. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. She must not be dating or inviting people back. So that's part of the picture too. But yeah. if it's not hurting anybody and you don't mind and you don't feel depressed and you feel fine, enjoy it. No judgment here. Yeah. I'll come over. <laughs> <laughs> We've all been there. You have a question about your credit card. You call the number for help and can't get a hold of anyone. If only you had a Discover card. With 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. A real person. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, let's do a Betch Assist. Do you want to read this one? Sure, I'll read it. Hi, Jordana and Dr. Naomi. I'm getting married in June of 2024. 
My fiance and I have been together for nine years. He's always known that I'm an atheist. I've been very respectful of his and his family's Islamic faith. He's not super religious and never expected me to be. His family requested that an imam perform our ceremony. Since this is important to him and his family, I agreed. However, now I'm being told that the imam won't marry us unless I convert to Islam. Now his family wants me to convert and my fiance has asked me to as well to keep the peace. His mom is treating me normally, but I know his dad is upset and now they both figured out that I'm an atheist and they're not happy. My fiance told me I can just say the phrase that converts me and then everything will be okay. However, I don't want to lie to his family or myself. I just don't believe and I'm a very honest and scientific person. What should I do? Would you convert to save the peace? What if they do start treating me differently? Sincerely, Atheist Betch. It's a good one. This is a great one. Yeah, this is hard. I think this mm-hmm. is a little bit of a foreshadowing thing that would concern me. Yeah, I wouldn't do it. The conversion, that is. And I think the reason is, even though, I think the reason is, is because aside from the fact that I don't think you should like pretend to want to be in a religion that you don't want to be in. I also think like this is her wedding and you want it to be like an authentic reflection of who you and your partner are as people and not like doing things that other, like changing an entire belief system to make someone else happy for a ceremony. So I think it's one thing. And and this is nice if you're like, okay. And I did this with Mike, who's not Jewish. I was like, here are the things for my background that are important to me, the traditions of my family that are important to me. Like, what's important to you? And we'll make sure we're both represented. But I think that that, there's a line to that that goes from like honoring someone's customs to pretending to be something you're not. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where this is ethically feels like it's crossed a line. Yeah, I would agree. And I think the red flag for me is that it's, the parents and he's the, you know, the fiance is trying to appease his parents by asking her to do this thing that I'm sure she's told him is not something she really wants to do. If she's writing into us about it, I'm sure she's mentioned to him that she doesn't feel comfortable with it. And I don't get the feeling that it's important to him. I get the feeling that it's important to his parents. So that's the other red flag that I see here is that he might need to And again, I always say weddings are a great time to address these big picture issues of he might need to say to his parents, look, this is the person I'm choosing to marry. This is what she believes. She's not comfortable with this. And therefore we're not going to do it. If there are any other traditions that you think might be important other than her basically lying. That don't involve her, that don't involve her converting to our religion. Yes. (laughs) And declaring that in front of probably a room full of people and actually lying to them and him. And when she has no intention of believing in any of it, then that'd be great. What else can we do to make you feel more included or to feel like our family traditions are part of this? But I do think that this brings up the issue of the husband being able to stand up for his fiance with the parents and say, this is not something she's comfortable with and being able, having to sit in the discomfort of his parents being disappointed. Right. It's a good test to see if he can do that. Because, and I'm not trying to say it as a test, but I do think if, if she does this, this is, it, 
it's going to go from here. I don't know if they're planning on having children or how they're going to celebrate holidays or what other expectations are going to be, but I think she has to stand up for her boundaries now, and then they can kind of get used to it and open up a dialogue around what she is and isn't comfortable with in terms of combining their cultures and religions. Agreed. Moral of the story, our suggestion is is a no. Yeah. <laughs> on this one. I would say it's a no. And look, I feel bad for her. This is not going to be easy. And mm-hmm. I feel bad for him because I think he's the one that's going to have to, it's going to be important that they're on the same side on this so that right. he can address the parents and say, I knew this when I proposed. Like you don't, I think the other part that's sort of upsetting about this is that it's kind of a bait and switch. Like, right. She's always been atheist. She's always been atheist. He knew that from the beginning. He said he had no problem with it. And now after they've proposed and perhaps sent out invitations and planned a wedding date, now he's saying, oh, and by the way, you have to convert. I don't think that's fair. I agree. And I don't think that'll be the last thing that, like you said, that comes up about the, around this. And so it's better to know if, if his family's dis- distaste for your belief system is uh, something that's going to be a big issue for him now rather than after you get married. Agree. I don't envy your position. I do think this is going to be extremely uncomfortable, but I agree. I think knowing now rather than down the road how much of an issue this is going to be rather than faking it until you can't take it anymore and then you're already married and you've been faking it for 10 years, that's not going to be great. So breathe, stay true to yourself compromise and you guys hopefully will find a way through this in the market for investment worthy bags watches and fine jewelry rebag is the answer rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity use rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands including louis vuitton chanel and cartier head to rebag.com to get five percent off your first purchase with code rebag new shop today at rebag.com that's r-e-b-a-g.com and use promo code rebag new for five percent off your first purchase selling a little or a lot Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. What I love about Shopify is basically how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. I know we use Shopify here at Betches, and honestly, anyone with any kind of business could really benefit from Shopify. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklyn, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash betches, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash betches now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash betches. 
Let's do some intentions. I'll read them. Hi, Jordana and Dr. Naomi. I'm a big fan of the pod and have been trying to get my hands on any podcast Jordana is on. Wow. Thank you. Jordana, I love your input and voice. Thank you. Wow. Okay. Let's get to it. I'm an engaged 29-year-old female and I live in my house with my fiance. We are new to the home. We bought it in June. This is not my first home, but previously I've lived with roommates. The house we are in comes with a few sounds and we live in a quiet neighborhood in a larger town in Montana with a fairly low crime rate. We also have standard security cameras on two sides of the house and one even has a motion sensor floodlight. Here is the issue. My fiance is visiting his grandpa for about 10 days. That is a very long time to visit your grandpa. I don't care who you are. (laughs) It's a long time, right? Yes. I mean, good for him. I guess they're close. I filled my weekend with visiting friends who stayed at the house with me. And now that I'm into the work week, I'm struggling with high anxiety at night before bed. We have two cats that are gremlins in the night. I can feel the irrational fear of an intruder becoming more frantic each night my fiance is away. Last night, I decided to help myself by putting my partner's handgun next to me in the bed. It is in the case unloaded. I know this still seems crazy, but my protector is not here. I thought it would bring me some peace of mind, but I'm not comfortable with guns in general. So instead, I had gun safety nightmares all last night. Tonight, I'm lying awake after trying to push through with my sleep routine. Sleep mask, ensure all doors were locked, blasted sleep sounds, but I could still hear every tap of my cats walking around and being mischievous. Cars occasionally driving by and a train or two. The cats might just be the worst of it. It's a new sound every time. I can't even keep track of what they're doing without worrying that someone is in my house. I'm looking to set an intention to get through the rest of this week and possibly any future nights alone without nightmares and anxiety. Any help would be so appreciated. Thank you. A sleepless in Montana batch. Yeah, this is hard. I think the cats really complicate this because I know that like, and she's doing this sleep sound machine thing. When you're, if you're already anxious, sometimes it's like you just need to fall asleep and then you're okay but she falls asleep and then she has these cats waking her up and now she has to like fall back to sleep over and over again. It seems like her other fear is that the cats are like someone in the house. I could see how it could sound like that. Yeah. I get scared when I'm home alone. It's, it's creepy a little bit to just be in a big, in any space, I think by yourself. Totally. And I think, you know, you can put on a sound machine and block out the sound of like the wind howling or, you know, the, the leaves rustling. But if you actually do kind of have creatures walking around making footstep type sounds, that's going to make this worse. So I don't know what you can do about the cats. Maybe put them in a room, close the door with carpet or something where they're not making a bunch of sounds because I could see why if you're already anxious, that can definitely make things worse. That's not my big advice because, you know, I don't know what your cat situation is. This seems like an example, one of expo- a, a good example where exposure therapy might help. Mm-hmm. I think on the, the first thing I would do is reassure yourself by looking up, and I actually took the liberty of doing it, and the chances of being killed during a home invasion. I think there were the year that I looked at, there were 100 people in the entire country that were killed in a home invasion. Quite low. Yeah. Quite low. Yeah. The chances of you being one of those 100 people in the entire nation that are killed by a home invasion, especially when you live in Montana, which is on the lower end of the, you know, it's not like you live in some 
you know, gang ridden inner yeah. city, you know, place where people are going door to door looking for drugs um, or weapons or something. So looking at the rational aspect of it and like calming your mind, knowing that the literal chances of something terrible happening to you if someone breaks into your house. And also the fact that, which I didn't know, more home invasions happen during the day than they do at night. Really? Yep. Oh, you became a little undercover uh, cop here. Well, I, 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 I did want it before reassuring her, I wanted to check and see what right. the actual facts were. And the actual facts are like, this is pretty uncommon yeah. for someone to get really hurt in a situation like this. I kind of agree with her. She probably has a higher chance of hurting herself with this gun than she does. Yes. Than with a home invasion. Yes. A hundred percent. So the chances of this, and this is why, because I looked this up and it is a pretty irrational fear. I think it's a good example of something that's ripe for exposure therapy. I think we spoke a long time ago about. And sorry, and just to like rash, just to like validate her feelings. Although it is extremely rare, it's stuff you see in pop culture like yes. all the time, which makes you think it's so much more common than it is, you know, than a real reason that one would die, which is probably like, you know, the more common reason would be like a heart attack or something. I'm yes. sure that gets like, that's like 600 times more likely than yes. whatever, at least than whatever this is. But you don't really see that much of that stuff in movies and TV. Totally. Like if you took, a, if you did the statistics on the percentage of deaths that happen in movies and how many of them happen because somebody breaks into someone's house in the middle of the night, it's probably a lot more than like 0.2%, which is the reality. It's probably right. like, I don't know, 20% or 30% <laughs> or whatever large percentage. Cause it's, it's scary and you're sleeping and you're right. caught off guard and all the things. And that's what you would read in the new, like in the actual news or newspaper, because it would be so sensational that it happened because it doesn't happen that often that you see it in the paper. Yes. It gets written. People don't write about like someone peacefully dying in their sleep in the newspaper article because it's not that interesting. <laughs> right. but that's much more likely to right. happen. Totally. <laughs> yes. So I think just calming yourself, knowing how unlikely this is to actually happen to you. But then if you still have this really intense fear, I think you can do an exposure therapy practice, which is take that, take out a piece of paper, write down your biggest fear, the worst case scenario, the worst thing that you are afraid of is going to happen. And what goes through your mind in the middle of the night, write it all down, like almost like upsetting yourself on purpose, triggering all that, like butterflies in your stomach, heart racing, like trigger, intentionally trigger yourself, record it on, like speak it out loud, read it out loud and record it and play it on repeat over and over again for 10 minutes every single day. And every single time you feel this way, play this recording for 10 minutes. And I can pretty much assure you. It's like a reverse affirmation. Reverse affirmation. Yes. Because it's so irrational that it's almost like you just have to desensitize the physiological reaction. I think she's having like an intense physiological reaction to every single noise that she hears. And so she's sort of like, I've confronted this thing. I've sat in this thing and I've calmed myself so many times repeatedly that it doesn't trigger the, that physiological sensation of panic and fear that, her brain will be able to settle because right now it's react 
the reaction is in her body and then her brain is like seeking out every little noise from the environment that's going to, you know, make her feel like this is her fears are coming to reality. So I think exposure therapy could work here. I'm sure if there's, you know, an intention that would work, it's, you know, I am safe because she is safe because the chances of anything happening to her in her house with her doors and her windows locked is very slim. If you want to get an alarm system, like that actually will go off if someone opens a door or a window that couldn't hurt. If this is something that's really affecting her, that might be something that would be helpful where she's like, okay, I don't need to listen out for everything. Cause it's going to be a blaring siren. Right. If someone opens a door or opens a window, that might be helpful, but I think she can do some exposure therapy as well. That might help. I like that. It sounds weird. People have a really hard time with it. Um, and it does help to do it with a therapist. So I would recommend that you do it together with a therapist. It's harder to do on your own. You can still do it, but if you really, if it's extremely panic inducing, and this is like a disclaimer for anyone out there that's listening and wants to try this, if you feel like it's really inducing large amounts of panic, I think this is something that I would recommend doing together with a therapist. Um, but it is very effective and it's effective quickly. Like it's not something that you need to take six months or a month or, you know, even to have work. This is something that you can see a lot of relief from in just a few days of doing it. Agreed. And also she says she bought the house in June. So she's relatively new to the house. And I have to say from my own personal experience, like I was a little more scared in the beginning of owning a house Mm -hmm. because you're also like, you don't know your house yet and the weird noises it makes. And the more I've been here, the more I'm like, oh, that noise, like that noise is like the washing machine thing or whatever. The heat makes a crinkly noise. It sounds like. And in the beginning, you're like, what's that? Like, what? Like, where is that coming from? Oh, my God. But then when you've been through it enough times, you're like, oh, that I I know what that noise is. I know this house. Mm -hmm. So totally. I think the more you hear and that's exposure therapy, too. Right. You hear it. You experience it you know, you end up being okay. You experience it. You end up being okay. And after a while you can trust that you can experience this fear and it's, you've ended up being okay many, many times. So do you ever get this scared? I guess you don't ever really home alone. No, I'm not home alone that often. And no, I'm a good sleeper. I kind (laughs) of head hits the pillow and it's lights out for the most part good with that too sometimes like when i even when i lived in an apartment i would like check behind the the, the shower curtain like, oh just yeah <laughs> maybe feel a little better yeah i've had moments of like checking or looking or that type of thing but yeah i get it's common a lot of people especially like you said you're going from all the space and her cats are also dealing with a lot more space than probably whatever they had beforehand also so they're like running all over the place and kind of going crazy. So there's all sorts of new noises. I think this is fairly common, um, hopefully with time. Yeah. And you should really be more scared during the day. Okay. <laughs> okay. The Hargan women seem to have it all. We were blessed. My mom was amazing. But detectives would soon discover... Inside the house, there were the bodies of two women. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. 
I am just praying to God, this is a sick joke. From 48 Hours, this is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings, wherever you get your podcasts. Let's do some triggers. All right. You want to read the first one? Yes. Hi, Jordana and Dr. Naomi. I have a triggered scenario for you. My birthday was last week and I did not receive any messages from my fiance's family. His sister was even texting me to ask what to wear at our wedding. And his mom called him to talk for 30 minutes that afternoon, both with no mention of my birthday. I think I would usually scale this around a one, but what makes it more triggering for me is that they have a big family group chat with 20 plus family members and always wish every participant happy birthday. I checked back through the text thread and they have wished everyone who married into the family a happy birthday starting at 7 a.m. on the day, except for me. My fiance ended up posting about my birthday on social media around 6 p.m. later that night, and the birthday text did end up coming through around 7 p.m. But to me, it's still obvious that they forgot. Am I wrong to be a little triggered here? Birthday batch. Hmm. I went back and forth on this one a little bit because partially part of me was like, oh, my God, no birthday text that you feel required to answer from like your fiance's entire family. Like, that seems great. (laughs) (laughs) Right. You don't have to reply. That's a birthday gift, right? Exactly. Um, And also that like they wished her a happy birthday on the day. I don't know that like it's required that you do it first thing in the morning. I understand the comparison. I understand it feels like a little weird that they've done this to everyone else. I think that maybe I think the, the fact that everyone else got an early morning birthday text makes you like just concerned that someone doesn't like you or something. Right. But then they did say happy birthday as soon as they realized it was her birthday. Yes. I don't know. I, I think that they didn't know what she's new to the family. They're not even married yet. They probably haven't like registered in their mind that it's her birthday. I'm sure if her husband, her fiance put it into the group chat early in the morning, they would have, I'm sure responded with happy birthday. He didn't put it in the group chat. So like, I don't know Mike's birthday. (gasps) Do do you know Jeff's birthday? Um, no, I know. I know the month. Right. I think Mike's (laughs) birthday is in August. It's, it's July 31st. So okay. Very close. close. Yeah. Okay. No, that's fair. I don't know necessarily every spouse's exact birthday. So once they got a reminder of like, oh, it's her birthday, then they texted her. It's not like they didn't message at all. I always wonder too, like if I don't text message someone early in the day on their birthday, is that, do they take that as a sign of like, that I love them less than if I text them at seven o'clock at night versus if I I text them at seven in the morning? I think if you do, then you're like a little insecure about it any people liking you mm-hmm. <laughs> if you're like if you're tracking the hour and who did what first and all right. that stuff like i don't know to me it doesn't matter i yeah. I text people at 7 p.m all the time even if i've known it was you know or i've had a busy day like i don't i don't think you need to text it as you have the whole day you have, you have the, the whole day yes right totally or sometimes the next day even yes you know I don't care if, if someone send me a, sends me a birthday text the next day. I'm not offended, unless Same. it's like Mike, right? Right. 
totally. I totally agree. I think maybe she does have some insecurities about being included in the family or she's not quite in the family yet. So she's probably maybe a little hyper fixated on how she's going to fit in or how she's going to be accepted or if people like her. So I think there's a little bit of insecurity brewing. I think the time of day, if they did end up texting you, specifically after he made the birthday text, which alerted them to the fact that it was your birthday, which I don't know how they would necessarily know that otherwise, unless they're that type of person that just puts everyone's birthdays in their calendar, which is probably not most people. I am going to rate this low because it sounds like they didn't know it was her birthday until they did, at which time they messaged her. Yeah, I agree. I would give it like a two. Yeah, I think I'm going to give it a two unless there's something I'm missing. Um, and I, bet. I also think it's like, I think it's kind of nice. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am willing to bet that next year and the subsequent years, maybe they'll know it's your birthday a little earlier in the day because you're around longer and they've remembered, oh, that's, you know, I know, I remember that from last year or we went to her birthday party. It was this time of year. Yeah. It was around that time. But I don't know everybody's I don't think I know anyone's others birthdays. I don't think I know any of them. Again, right. I know like the general, the general time, of year. time of year. Yeah, yes. for sure. But I definitely need the little reminder of it's so-and-so's birthday. And yeah, sometimes you have a busy day, but I think you have the whole 24-hour period too. And maybe even a little bit after, unless you're super close with the person to say happy Agreed. birthday. I'm sure that they love you. You're getting married. Be excited. I don't think that these little things are an indicator of their feelings for you at all. Totally agree. Let's do another one. I'll read it. Two. I get set off when my boyfriend expresses dislike for home items I have. Let me set the stage. <laughs> I'm 36. I've done a traditional path of college, working corporate, been living alone since college graduation. I bought my own home a few years ago. My boyfriend of two years, also 36, who moved in with me one year ago, went the slower path in college to live and travel in Europe, work temp jobs while trying to get his ideal job, lived in room share homes, and eventually moved back with his parents to pay off some student loans and help them during a medical crisis time. All that to say, he didn't move in with much for furniture and household items. So the triggering problem, every time he says things like, I want to get a huge reading chair for this spot because I don't like the current chair, or I want a big bookshelf instead of the floating shelves you have, I get super triggered at his criticism of my items. It feels like he has no appreciation for the choices I made to even have a comfortable home with furniture in it and that he gets to wish for all those extras while disregarding what I've already spent on getting the foundational pieces in place. So how justified am I in this or do I just need to let it go? Thanks. I already did the shopping. I'm not saying this is not triggering, but I think this is a her issue. Yeah, I think she's got some other resentments that maybe she hasn't aired about this situation or like the path, different paths that they took. I don't think it's about the furniture. Right. Yes, I agree. I think that she probably feels underappreciated for providing all of the stuff. And maybe if she would feel like he appreciated all the things that they had, the bed, the couch, the coffee table, the end tables, like all of the things that they have in their home that she, it wouldn't be so triggering to her if he says, I prefer a different chair or I'd prefer 
a bookshelf. I think some people would actually prefer someone to say those things because it would indicate that they feel like the apartment is both of yours. Yes, I totally agree. So this is why I love triggered, right? Because it just kind of shows, it's like the triggering scenario is sort of like a like a canvas for your insecurities to fall onto. So some other people would be like, he doesn't make any comments about ever wanting to buy anything for our apartment or make it a home or a show that he's like invested in our home. And that's triggering. Meanwhile, you have someone who's making comments and saying like, I would love to spend money to invest in making our home together more comfortable. It's like, I think she's, she's painting it like, as if she was cooking a meal and he was like, I'd love to get a different meal in here. Yes. <laughs> like I, without, and I could see why if he had absolutely no acknowledgement that she brought all the furniture at any point, like, I'm so glad that you, yes. you know, that you had all this stuff. I can see that that would be like kind of annoying to never get any sort of gratitude or any sort of appreciation for what I brought to the table. And again, yes. I think that could be anything from like making a meal for someone to, doing chores that go unnoticed to maybe this there's this financial furniture thing that she's talking mm-hmm. about. So I don't I don't think that the the feeling of wanting to be appreciated is crazy, but I do think the actual act itself is not that triggering. Yes. So this is definitely pointing towards something bigger. I wonder if in general she's feeling underappreciated or in general she feels proud. It sounds like she feels really proud of herself for like living on her own and buying her own stuff and buying, I think her own home or, you know, so maybe she feels like that that's a part of her that she really loves about herself and feels really proud of. And he's not acknowledging that. And maybe he's also not acknowledging that because that's not something that he has and he feels a little insecure or jealous. So he might specifically be mentioning it less because he has an insecurity about it. And she's picking up on that and feeling like he's not appreciating it, but it might be coming from a place of insecurity on his part. Well, I have a question for you as it comes to couple dynamics. What if you pride yourself on something that really just doesn't matter that much to the other person? Right. Like, yeah, like not, not, they're not, they're not feeling insecure. They're not insulted by it. It's just not something that like, let's say you really love your hair. Like I'm really proud of my hair. I've always had. Lo- I, I'm not. This is not true. I'm speaking hypothetically. Um, <laughs> let's say I, I really love my hair. It's thick. It's long. I get compliments on it all the time by like lots of women. And my fiance never says anything about my hair. It's just he doesn't. It, he doesn't notice. It could go right. either way. Right for him. Is that yeah. an issue or is that like? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think. If it's something that you want them to know, you can't make someone care. Like you might also. Well, that's right. Yeah. You can't make him care. Can you push him to say, yes, you have beautiful hair. I think it's really lovely. A time or two. Sure. But I do think you have to find that esteem about that thing in other places, perhaps. I don't know that that's what's happening here. I think it's the opposite. I think he maybe feels a little insecure about not having any stuff to contribute. And maybe so he's that's trying his, to get new stuff. Yeah. Maybe that's his way of saying like, I'd like to contribute something here. I'd like to buy a new chair. I'd like to buy a bookshelf. I'd like to feel like I kind of have my, like this, it sounds like it might be a little bit of like a passive conversation that they're having 
where there's this elephant in the room that she's bought all this stuff. He's contributed almost nothing to the living space. She wants appreciation and he wants to kind of just maybe put a little bit more of a stamp on the right apartment. He'd rather he'd rather feel like he's contributing more than feel like, oh, he's so grateful to her. He'd rather just them be more equal than have to talk about it. Yeah. Which I think is pretty common, which is why, the, again, these triggered scenarios and these little bickerings, like a lot of times when couples bicker about things, there's a bigger picture issue underneath it. And this bigger picture issue is that they're both you know, quietly aware of the imbalance in the home. She just wants him to say, thank you for providing all this. Look what a wonderful home we have. I know you must've spent a lot of money on all this stuff and I get to enjoy it. And I really appreciate you. And I'm so proud of you. Mm -hmm. He's not doing that because that will probably feel really icky to him because he's feeling insecure. So instead he's saying, Hey, let's go buy a big lounge chair. And I'll, you know, I don't know if he's saying he'll pay for it or whatever. I don't know what their situation is, but, um, right. Yeah. I think there is a little bit of a bigger issue here, which is why she's feeling triggered. Agreed. I think you could, she could say something to him. Yeah. About this, the dynamic of the finances and how he feels. They could open a discussion about how they both feel about it. Totally. And this is early on in their relationship. They're not engaged or married yet. They're just dating. I think this is a great little practice conversation for them to like dig a little deeper and try to understand one another. You know, like Mm -hmm. I, when you make these comments, I feel upset because it makes me feel unappreciated or it doesn't feel like I'm really proud of this thing about myself. And it seems like that's not something that you're noticing but I also understand and I'd love for you to share with me if maybe you have some feelings around it and open up and hopefully he'll be able to say, yeah, I, I didn't, I'm not bringing it up because I feel kind of badly that you're providing everything for our home. And that doesn't feel great if that's what he chooses to disclose. But if they could have that conversation, this is just the beginning. I'm sure there's going to be many other times mm-hmm. where like it's taken out on some little comment, but it's really bigger than that little comment. I agree. But I think the comment in itself, I'd give it like a, I'd give it like a three. Yeah. I would think I would agree with it. It's not a nothing because it sort of is like, you know, I don't, although I, I wonder too, sometimes like a gender role thing, like a lot of women will have a guy that has a bunch of stuff and they move in with them and then they just start being like, we got to get rid of that. We right. got to get rid of that. <laughs> yeah. I think there's a double standard around um, insulting someone's furniture. Right. It's much more socially acceptable to be like, I got rid of a lot of Mike stuff. Right. <laughs> so it was like a- very active, very blatant. Um, right. Put you weren't being polite yes. about it. Yes. So I think if this was roles reversed, it might go differently, but I get it. And it's because she, I think the difference is because of woman might take more pride or have given it more thought or, you know, whatever it is. So you don't want to insult something that they actually work towards. Whereas if Mike had like an old couch from his parents' basement, you're kind of like, you didn't really work that hard to get this thing or pick it or, you know, it just, yeah. But if he had like saved up for years to buy a certain couch, I would think I would be like a little more cautious of, of saying something negative about it or that I wanted to get rid of it. Yes. So given that fact, I would give it yeah, three and a half. All right. We'll give it a three. Good luck. 
good luck. That's it for us today. Happy New Year again. And uh, we'll see you next week. That's our time. Great work today. Oversharing is produced by Sean Kilby, Jorge Morales-Picot, and Rebecca Salz-McCann. Editing by Basilio Perez. Guest booking by Ali Friedlander. Send your advice emails to oversharing at Betches.com or leave us a voicemail at 646-363-6294. Thank you to our sponsor, First Response. A lot of us test more than once. That's why First Response created the Triple Check Pregnancy Test Kit, which includes three different tests all in one box. The kit includes the early results pregnancy test, one digital pregnancy test, plus one rapid result pregnancy test that gives you fast results in just one minute on the day of your missed period or any day thereafter. Each test in the kit offers a different way to learn your results, so when the time comes, you feel as confident as possible. All First Response Pregnancy Test products are available for purchase at all major retailers in-store and online. Be sure to pick one up today. Betches.